Hey, how's it going out there? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tomatodito Show. And uh, I'm going to dive in here real quick and try to figure out what's been going on with Bellator MMA, uh, the second biggest organization uh, within the United States as far as MMA is considered. Uh, you have the World Series of Fighting, which is another organization, and it seems to be like taking the uh, the third third place uh, within the U.S., but it doesn't seem like it's that far from from bringing in uh, numbers that, that Bellator is. Uh, you have one championship, which has basically cemented itself throughout Asia and uh, in a large portion of Europe, and and then the UFC, of course, it's the uh, the MMA giant, the the main brand across the world and, and world renowned. Uh, so Bellator finds themselves in the second position, and it's really odd. Some of the biggest issues that I constantly see with uh, and hear about from Bellator is the fact that nobody knows when their fights are happening, unless you're a hardcore Bellator fan. People don't really know when these fights are happening. There's a big confusion as far as the advertising, the promotional aspect and the promotional approach that Bellator takes to where unless you're watching Paramount TV or unless you're always hooked on the zone, you're never going to know uh, as to when the upcoming fight is. You see these ads every so often. You see them pop up on YouTube uh, at random, but it's nothing like the UFC is doing. And of course, the UFC has cemented themselves and built the brand to such a magnitude in which people are actually looking and constantly logging in to these sites and the UFC forums to figure out when the next opponent is. And they do a very good job of promoting their fights uh, as a fight is happening. They're in a pay-per-view and they'll be promoting it. They promote it through your uh, your video game consoles. They promote it through their video games. They, they're everywhere. And so you know that the biggest fight coming up is going to take place on so-and-so date because they do such a good job and they have the budget. They have the money to be able to promote Bellator, on the other hand, although they have good enough money, they're trying to compete. In my opinion, they're trying to compete with the UFC in the United States, within the United States, at at the dollar, going dollar for dollar, and you can't do it. And that's the underdog story, where if you if you remember back when they came into 2011 this is what they've gotten away from they've they're trying to figure out this uh their 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 niche they're trying to figure out their their purpose within the market and their stance within the market and they've gotten away from so many um so many approaches that they've taken in the past if you recall Bellator started in 2011 and they were basically the avenue for the up-and-coming prospects, the uh, semi-established fighters that were not well-known. Uh, you didn't have the biggest names, but they, they used to provide a tournament-style, uh, eight-man tournament-style uh, show. And so whoever won that tournament obviously won the money, this and that. They got away from that. They've changed ownership through the years. Um now you have Scott Coker, who was a, the the former head of uh, of Strike Force, and now he's on top of Bellator, and he was doing something good with Strike Force, but he also had the backing of Showtime, and he had he had a better promotional team around him. Strike Force was so successful because when people tried to discard Strike Force back in the day as being the 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 B level fighters, the C level fighters, the competition not being as good as as the UFC, you started seeing some really big names join that organization. Uh, names like Daniel Cormier, uh, with such big fights. You had Bigfoot Silva, you had Robbie Lawler, you had Nick Diaz, you had uh, Jake Shields, Gilbert Melendez. Um, 
Wow, and Rory McDonald was over there. You had such big following and big fights, meaningful fights. Kung Lee was over there, Frank Shamrock. Um, you name it, people were not buying the fact that they were the B-level fighters or the C-level fighters. At that time, a lot of fighters were having contractual issues with the UFC. And so they would just leave and go over with Scott Cor uh, Scott Coker. And, and the word was that Coker was known for taking care of the fighters and making them happy and catering to them. They had the big venue out of California. So it was a, it became like a world renowned spot, um, where the San Jose Sharks, the hockey team play. They were at that San Jose pavilion and they just made it, made it the, uh, the, the ultimate house for strike force. Um, they had a lot to offer. And they focused within their organization, not trying to outdo the UFC, but they focused within the organization. They had a lot to offer and they brought leverage to their side. And the business move, Bellator, needs to focus as to the fighters and the type of fighters that they have, their roster. They have roster, a, a big roster from... Um, from Europe, uh, a lot of Russian based fighters. They have a lot of Brazilian fighters and they have a lot of, uh, a lot of big names that may not be household names here in the U S, but they should be catering to those fighters within their countries. If they were to get their promotional approach and take a different promotional approach, instead of trying to go dollar for dollar with the UFC, which they can't because their budget is not there. The numbers that they're bringing in are not there. Instead of trying to compete and and take their stance and set their foot here within the United States. If I was running Bellator or if I was helping them out, I would be promoting around the world. You have one championship who has cemented their their uh their stance in, throughout Asia, but you have a big following in Europe. Why is Bellator not promoting within Europe, getting the eyes of the world, which are constantly focused on these US-based promotions and more so on the UFC than anything? Why don't you start growing your promotion uh, around the country? Bring leverage over to your side, get momentum back on your side, start promoting in Brazil, start promoting throughout Europe, start promoting in all the Russian based countries where, where your fighters are from Ukraine, Dagestan, uh, you have, you take that approach instead of using the dollar, you take a different approach and go promote in the countries in which your dollar will go a lot further. So you'll be able to get better promotion, get your social media, uh, promotion, on your, your game on check because you guys are trying to compete with the UFC and you barely know when to tune into your fights. You barely know when you barely, you barely have an idea who's fighting there. And it seems like the approach the last few years has been of trying to build the next star, trying to build the next big hype. So people tune in instead of focusing on one fighter, focus on the brand, focus on the name, get that company to where it becomes a world-renowned company rather than just mostly U.S.-based. And people that follow certain fighters from around the world are tuning in because their favorite fighter happens to be fighting in that organization. But the moment that they jump over to the UFC, those eyes and that viewership is going to change hands also. So grow the brand to where people begin to be loyal to your brand, similar to what Strikeforce was able to pull out. Once Leverage ended up going Strikeforce's way and they were just such a big force to be reckoned with, what did the UFC do? They end up acquiring Strikeforce, 
not on pennies on the dollar, they end up acquiring and create a merger with Strikeforce to where eventually Strikeforce went out of business. Same thing with Pride. UFC took over that business. It was too much to compete with. Such big name fighters all of a sudden are coming back. Quentin Jackson, the Nogueras, they're coming back to the UFC. Bigfoot Silva was also over there at Pride. Then you have your Robbie Lawlers, your Rory McDonald's. All of a sudden, all these people are coming over to the UFC and... It was just too much for the UFC to deal with. And that's the, that's the approach that Coker, he did it once with Strikeforce. When Strikeforce figured out that instead of trying to compete with pay-per-views, they would have their show on Showtime, which is cable TV, premium channel at that. And then they would do cards on CBS. And rather than compete against boxing and UFC, which they have the battle at that time, Dana White and UFC just focused on the big cards, the Mayweathers, the Pacquiao cards, the big dates, trying to fight against boxing. They were not even looking looking back at what Strikeforce was doing. And Strikeforce figured it out. They start doing regular cable TV, CBS shows. They start taking on the 5 o'clock and the 6 o'clock time frames rather than the 8 o'clock uh, primetime hours uh, for television and sports viewership. They figure out that they could do a 4 o'clock card. They could do a 5 o'clock card. in the hours and that gap and that time gap leading to the primetime hours. And Strikeforce begin to grow. The eyes begin to grow. What else does Strikeforce do? The women's division, something that Dana White said he would never do and he would never create within the UFC. He had no choice because at that point it was too big of a monster to compete against. So he took over the company. He takes over Strikeforce and then we have the effect felt around the world of Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate and how they begin to draw the biggest pay-per-view numbers for the UFC than any other man on the roster. And not until Conor McGregor came did those numbers that Ronda Rousey was producing and the eyes and the attention that she brought to the UFC, not until Conor McGregor came were those numbers broken. So if you look at what Strikeforce did and Coker is running Bellator right now, start applying the same approach. Focus on the brand rather than trying to create a few stars, a few superstars within that organization. So you don't have the same effect as a Michael Chandler leaving after having been with the organization from the beginning. Uh, you have a lot of good fighters out there. You have the Pitbull brothers. You have Michael Venom Page, MVP. Um, wow. I mean, Doug, uh, you have a, you have Lima, right? You have Douglas Lima. Uh, you got Gigard Musasi. Who? Uh, Ivan Nemkov is out there. Ryan Bader revived his career after leaving the UFC. He's out there. Um, Corey Booker just had a great, great showing out there. So you have really good fighters. Just keep focusing and growing the brand. Uh, I would say don't blink on Bellator. I really am hopeful and keeping my fingers uh, crossed that they're going to get their game straight here in 2021. And if they take the approach of growing around the world, rather than trying to just focus on the United States, I think their brand is going to skyrocket and leverage is going to go over to them and put the UFC in a position where they start actually noticing Bellator and maybe possibly buy them out, but they'll have to buy them out at top dollar and not pennies on the dollar. So Scott Coker is very smart in the sense that he's done this before. He needs to do it again. He needs to get back to basics and take the approach that he did with strike force uh don't blink on bellator uh there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in bellator it just doesn't get it doesn't get promoted properly and you barely even know what's happening there so 
what what are they what do they have left for this year they only have one card left this year uh they have mcfarland which is this is going to be a women's um a women's matchup that's going to be headlining the event. Uh, the fight should be taking place November, sorry, November 19th was their last card. Uh, they're going to be taking place on December 10th. So that's the other thing that they've been doing, not fights on the weekends, but they do fights during the week. And that's another thing that's been throwing them off, right? December 12th, it's a big boxing night. As we mentioned here before, you have Danny Garcia. Uh, sorry, that's December 5th. December 12th, you got Anthony Joshua, Kubra Pulev that are fighting that night. And you have UFC, uh, Davison Figueredo turning around from his last victory just a couple weeks ago. And he's going to turn around against Brandon Moreno, who also fought on that card. Uh, and that's when we're going to see Tony Ferguson, UFC uh, 256. So December 12th should be that Saturday. Uh, the Bellator card's focusing on a Thursday. And with that said, a lot of people don't focus on that on Thursday night, Thursday night Bellator, Thursday night MMA. Um, they they got a lot of stuff that they got to figure out. McFarland against Velasquez at the Mohegan Sun, which has been the uh, the home to Bellator and their bubble that they got, their bubble environment that they created there. So that's Bellator 254, and that's going to be their last event for the year. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. A lot of exciting fights, a lot of exciting fighters within that brand. They're just not getting any noise. So I, I'm always rooting for the underdog, and I hope Bellator fixes their game up in 2021 uh, so they don't go out of business and they could actually do justice to the uh, amazing fighters and the amazing roster that they they currently have uh under their under their flagship so i'll leave you guys with that uh sorry that it's such a long-winded but i get so excited about this because i see a lot of potential in this brand um nonetheless take care of yourself and uh and we'll talk soon take care